Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. Do you ever feel like you're being gaslit when people tell you there is no such thing as the NAR or a movement focusing on the apostolic and prophetic that is akin to the Illuminati or that it is a quote so-called movement? Well, today we are going to be talking about the New Apostolic Reformation or what some refer to as NAR just for a bit. And then we're also going to be focusing on one belief stated among those who agree with this movement that apparently doesn't exist. Forgive my facetiousness in that last part of that comment, but it is this particular belief which is one of the core foundational beliefs in this particular movement that doesn't exist. It is that God is restoring the governing office of apostles in the church. And there's also a belief about the apostles and prophets are the foundation. This is based on a couple of different scriptures we'll mention in just a moment. In particular today, we're going to focus on the apostles because this is going to be a more in-depth Um, podcast in this particular area to debunk, if you will, is there really such a movement like this, even though there's people saying there isn't such a movement because uh, there's kind of a game of semantics being played and there's things being said or insinuated by people that refer to this movement, that they, that's an organization and that uh, there's particular, or that's a denomination, which it's none of those things. So we're going to be talking about that. In this particular belief of there are governing apostles today. And when I say governing, it means submission to the vision and the authority of the apostle. Now, this is not apostle in the sense of a church planter or a missionary, but rather this term is used to denote the big A apostle. And though some will say that no apostles exist who view themselves as having authority as the apostles of Christ, we will see support for this view of governing authority. So here are some things to consider first from Scripture before we look at some of the evidence or the writings from those who talk about this movement and talk about governing authority of the apostle today. It's important to understand that there is a differentiation between the office of the apostle and the gift of the apostle. Uh, The office was held by 12 apostles of Christ plus Matthias, as we know in the book of Acts and Acts 1, where after Judas died, he was replaced. The lots were cast, Peter had prayed to the Lord, and it was revealed that Matthias was the one to replace Judas in his office. Uh, We also see that Paul was an apostle of Christ. Um, Apostles of Christ had specific prerequisites that were affiliated with them. One of the main ones was they had to have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was different in that, though. He did not witness the resurrection of Christ. However, he had Christ, who had already been resurrected, come to him, speak to him on the road to Damascus. And we even know in reading in Galatians that Uh, Paul makes it clear that he did not receive the gospel from man, but he received it from God himself. He received it from Christ. In Acts 1, verses 20 through 26, we note here that Judas held an office. Judas Iscariot actually held an office. This is referenced by Peter in Psalm 109, verse 8. So this is, in fact, an office of the apostle that's noted in here. We also see a reference to Ephesians 2.20 that tells us that the apostles and prophets laid the foundation for the church with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. And it is upon their 
teachings, their revelation of truth that came through the uh, being carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's made clear by scripture in that. That foundation has already been laid and there's no need for a foundation to be laid more than once for a building. We even see this in our natural environments that a foundation is only laid once. So the teachings and the, the prophecies of the apostles and prophets is the foundation upon which the church rests to create the structure of the house of God, if you will, the body of Christ. Now, the gift of the apostle, we do see, uh, for example, with James, uh, we could say that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7, and Galatians 1, 19, we see James mentioned among the apostles, but he's not listed as an apostle of Christ. So he would be considered a gift of the apostle by some. This would be the understanding from those who have studied in this and understand the Greek meanings behind the words and the historical content. We see Barnabas and Andronicus and Junius. Some say Silas and Timothy and Apollos were all recognized as potential apostles. But again, this was not apostles of Christ. These were apostles that were sent out because the word apostle in Greek means to be sent out. These apostles, the gift of the apostle, they carried the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with God's authority. Now, scripture seems to refer to the apostles in the past tense as well. This is an interesting thing to consider when you look in, for example, Jude uh, verses three and four. And in verse 17, it seems to be referring into a past tense. And also in second Peter three, two, we'll look at that one real quick. And I would take note of any of the Bible verses I'm mentioning, write them down and look them up on your own and do some studying on your own and not just take my word for it, but open your Bible and read along. And if you have to pause this, so that way you're also getting a good biblical understanding and you can test the things that are being said. Second Peter chapter three, verse two says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So it is understood that this in particular, this example, the verse is being referenced in a past tense. So now that we've looked a little bit at scripture, let's begin to look at some of the books written by those who reference the new apostolic reformation or the new apostolic movement. And the list consists of more than just one name, which is C. Peter Wagner. C. Peter Wagner was the one that coined that phrase, and he indeed indeed did do that. And he wrote many books on the New Apostolic Reformation and different aspects of it, even with spiritual warfare, with worship, with different, different aspects that were affiliated with the New Apostolic Reformation that he recognized. He did hold to the fact that there was a second apostolic movement that began, he said, around 2001. And he did uh, believe that this was an ongoing thing. This, in fact, is recognized, as you will see in these writings, by some leaders that you may recognize their names and some that you may not. But regardless, I'm going to show you some information in these books that are as early as 2019 that is going to indicate that this term is being referenced and that the governing authority of apostles is being mentioned. So let's take a look at them. Bill Hammond said in his book, Apostles, Prophets, and the Coming Move of God, on page 153, quote, it is, impo- it is almost impossible for individuals to humble themselves under God without humbling themselves in submission and relationship to Christ's delegated representatives of him to his church. Rick Joyner wrote a book in 2004, The Apostolic Ministry, and he is quoted as saying, the fastest growing part of the church over the last two decades has been what is now called the New Apostolic Movement. C. Peter Wagner wrote Apostles Today in 2012, saying, quote, Will this movement sputter? 
In my personal interaction with large numbers of contemporary apostles, I have every indication that this is a new breed of Christian. In a 2013 book by Bruce Cook called Aligning with the Apostolic, Volume 1, Apostles and the Apostolic Movement in the Seven Mountains of Culture, C. Peter Wagner wrote the foreword and stated the Second Apostolic Age began in 2001. He cited David Barrett, a Christian researcher, who had written a two-volume set of an encyclopedia, and he had noted six megablocks for the church. Wagner noted that the apostolic-slash-post-denominational is the second-largest block of these six blocks, and among all six, it is the fastest-growing in the world population. Wagner also said this is the most radical way of doing church since the Protestant Reformation. The most radical change is the amount of spiritual authority delegated by the Holy Spirit to individuals, end quote. He also discussed a little bit and mentioned there about veering away from a board of elders or deacons, which is a more traditional way of doing of, uh, of church leadership. A book published in 2019 by Greg Wallace called Apostolic Governance in the 21st Century shows us that Shayon, the spiritual son of Wagner, wrote the foreword. He quoted Rag- Wagner in the foreword, as well as outlining the difference between church thinking and kingdom thinking. While church thinking is the pastor supports the church, kingdom thinking is the apostolic center supports the apostle. In the book Apostles and Prophets, the founder of the church by Wagner, apostles have two characteristics that set apostles apart from the other members of the body of Christ. These two things are the authority of apostles and the spheres of apostolic authority. On page 112 from Wagner's book Church Quake, Wagner said the Great Commission depends upon the restoration of the apostles, quoting John Kelly, a current council member of ICAL, which if you don't know what ICAL is, it is the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. John Kelly said this, quote, when the apostles begin to arise by the thousands, we will be able to take the nation for Jesus Christ. The harvest cannot be brought in apart from this foundational office, end quote. So we can see here just several references to the fact that there was indeed, even as 2019, and there are other books I'm going to talk about here in this podcast today, but there are books mentioning for years about the New Apostolic Reformation. So we've seen here that there are several different examples of people mentioning, men mentioning in their writings of the New Apostolic Reformation, not just C. Peter Wagner. It's a list longer than one name, as I said. And we're also seeing that they are in agreement with it. They're recognizing the movement. They're also recognizing that apostles have governing authority. Now, there are other characteristics potentially to this movement that some people may agree with and may not agree with that are in agreement with this movement. But nevertheless, one of the main foundational beliefs is that there is the restoration of the governing authority and office of the apostle. So the question is, if there are people that believe in apostles, but they don't believe that that there are people that actually perpetuate this belief of restoring back to the apostles from the first century, what does restoration mean then? Because restoration means that you are getting something back to its original state. So to say these things is to imply that you believe that restoring the office of the apostle is restoring it back to what it was as the apostles of Christ. If you believe in that office, then you're making a distinction between the gift. At least that would be the logical way I I would think. And maybe I'm wrong in thinking that, but that's the way it seems like it would go. I want to turn us to another book that's called God's Super Apostles. Now, this book, along with the New Apostolic Reformation, which is a more in-depth book, both were written by Doug Givett and Holly Pivick. And if you haven't read these books, I highly recommend that you look at both of them and read them. I have both of them. 
Uh, they are a fair look and analysis at this movement. They're insightful. They have a lot of documentation in them, and they look at scripture in accordance with this movement. And they're also, what I really like about it too, is that they're not lumping all the charismatics and all the Pentecostals in here and saying, well, if you believe in spiritual gifts, which that's not even on the table here for them and healings and, and, and believing in miracles, that's not even an issue. But the issue is, is the teachings of the governing apostles, governing, governing prophets, the te- the focusing on certain aspects, the 24 seven prayer that could be affiliated with the apostolic movement. Um, the focus on signs and wonders in moving in authority and power and the different types of worship, uh, spiritual warfare. I mean, there's different aspects of this, but again, we're focusing on the, the governing authority of apostles today. It's a very good book to, to check out, but some of the things they mention here that'll go along with this, and we're going to listen to a few um, clips from an interview that they did with Remnant Radio, I believe a year ago, to talk about this particular subject. In their books, they note that pastors who join apostolic networks are also expected to submit to the apostle. And I know, for example, the ministry that I was once part of, there wasn't, there is an apostolic network still. And in old documents for that uh, apostolic network, you were coming under a, in alignment with that apostle and agreeing with the vision. So, and and you're coming under that covering. There's the talk of apostolic covering in some of these move in this movement by some that hold this governing authority that believe that the apostolic covering is very important. If you come out from underneath that covering, bad things could happen to you. You could open yourself up to attacks from the enemy and and curses and such like that. So this does agree with some of the the teachings and and beliefs that some of us have been affiliated with in this. Anyone who does not submit to the authority of an apostle is at risk. This is because an apostle's authority comes directly from God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit. But I want to play um, one, uh, or actually uh, three different clips, short clips from the from the Remnant Radio interview that Doug and Holly did with them a year ago and talk first about the difference between uh, the apostle, the big A apostle, and the little A apostle. So one thing I want to be really clear about is, is they are not talking about what many people refer to as lowercase a apostles. Um, in, in the NAR, uh, th- that's not what they're talking about. So many people will say, I believe that there are lowercase a apostles today, referring to apostles being it, like missionaries or church planners. Um, that That's not, and we can talk about that. I want to show, you know, some different quotations and things later if we have time to show that, that that's not what we're talking about. And we're also not talking about um, prophets, uh, in the way many Pentecostals and Charismatics will talk about uh, people who have a present-day gift of prophecy that's talked about, like in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we're not critiquing or disputing that at all. Um, what we're talking about is prophets and apostles who claim to have formal governing offices, and the, like pastors or elders, all even, but even higher offices, actually pastors and elders must submit to them, um, and they must govern so that their new revelations can be implemented in the churches and organizations they oversee. And so there's a big difference between what people refer to sometimes as like little case, a apostle and uppercase, a apostle. And, and, um, what we're trying to show today is, is they're not talking about little case, a lowercase, a apostles. So in this next clip, 
Uh, Josh has actually from Remnant Radio. He is asking Holly or Doug to expand expound on the governing authority if apostles have governing authority, and they talk a little bit about the Anglican Church, which we're going to cut that out because it doesn't really have to do with the New Apostolic Reformation in this uh, as, in this capacity. But they're going to talk about the difference between um, the NAR apostles and Anglicans. So let's hear what they have to say about the difference, at least what the the NAR apostles do in the the governing aspect. Right. I so I might let Doug maybe speak to the Anglican position if he knows more about that than I do. What I would say though, um, so within the NAR, they would say that um, you know you have this fivefold ministry and apostles are to be at the top and they're to work in tandem with prophets, and they would say that that every church really should be under. The authority of apostles and prophets and often that will happen in an it's called an apostolic network so for example apostle cheon oversees an apostolic network of twenty-five thousand churches in something like 65 nations and um so he's the apostle overseeing all those churches and all those nations so it's a very wide authority um and um and so they would say that all churches need to be under the authority, either part of a network um, or, or, in, or to have an apostle and, and also working together with a prophet in their church leadership. And the final clip that I'm going to share with you is uh, later, a little bit later on in the interview, they start talking about, um, does the Bible, doesn't the Bible suggest apostles govern the church? And we're going to see a little bit different uh, as far as like get a different understanding as as what the view is for the New Apostolic Reformation today or the New Apostolic Movement, depending on what people want to call it. No, nevertheless, it is something that is actually, again, that we've seen in books is something that people still hold to today and believe that it is ongoing. And we'll continue to see this through the podcast. So the last little bit that you said is very important governmental authority all right despite all of the uh the things that you mentioned and the leadership role that apostles played with different forms of apostleship in the new testament as you can see in the book of acts and some of the epistles like ephesians and so forth um you don't find anything like governmental authority you might see a lot of the same things that you described certainly leadership Um, church planting on the part of apostles. Um, Apostle is a term that just means one who is sent. And uh, the churches did send. They would lay hands on individuals like uh, Paul and Barnabas, for example, and and, uh, send them with their blessing on, you know, missionary journeys and so forth, where they would um, establish churches. They would do evangelism and establish churches. And so they would represent the church with the blessing of these leaders. Uh, We're talking about something very different, and the people within the NAR actually think of themselves in very different terms than that. And it isn't just that they're providing leadership and guidance and training and education in in, uh, biblical truth, but they're exercising a kind of authority that you don't see attributed to other uh, apostles in the New Testament, other perhaps than uh, the apostles of Jesus Christ. So that would be um, a real difference. And and the language that you use there towards the end, Michael, is actually a tip-off that there is that real difference. 
All right. And I will have a, and I will have this posted in the links for this podcast. So if you want to listen to that entire episode from Remnant Radio, it may be informative to you just to kind of hear what Doug and Holly are saying that comes from their books, some quotes that they have. It's it's really informative and, will, and I think will be very helpful. Now, moving on just to some um, references online, and I will post these links as well. Again, is there a mention of the New Apostolic Reformation today from some of the leaders? Is it a conspiracy theory or is it a myth? When you look on USCAL, uh, the United States Coalition of Apostolic Leaders uh, website, it says under an article called Abuses and Blessings of the Contemporary Apostolic Movement. It lists the abuses and blessings um, numerically, and number three is listed as recognizing the apostolic can also help usher in a new apostolic reformation. Some proponents of the apostolic say it is evident the old way of doing things through hierarchical denominationalism is dead or dying, with the exception of Pentecostal denominations like the Assemblies of God. Most denominations are on the decline. By recognizing apostolic ministry, we could further accelerate the apostolic reformation that is based on the galvanization of covenantal voluntary associations of pastors and leaders in regions irrespective of denominational affiliations for the sake of reaching cities and nations. They go on to say under this, this reformation recognizes visionary leaders in each region that God has anointed to unite the body of Christ and bring societal change. Often denominational bishops and or superintendents are just gifted administrators without the leadership capacity to galvanize churches to reach a city or nation. Recognizing apostolic leadership, irrespective of denominational affiliation, can remove this bottleneck and release the authority and power of the kingdom of God in a city. End quote. Another website which is affiliated with the United States Coalition of Apostolic Leaders is ICAL, which is, I think I've mentioned already, the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And the definition and description of apostles and apostolic leaders Uh, which a week ago said something much different. There was a paragraph that has now been removed from this page under this, the definition of an apostle. Um, Thankfully, I was able to pull this off a week before they changed it because I just recently went back on to, to check, to verify something and lo and behold, it was gone. But nevertheless, I was able to get this. So prior to them changing it on their website without any mention of why they did um, an, uh, an edit or, um, a change to it. This is what it started out with, with under the uh, page, the definition of apostle on ICAL's website. Said, quote, the second apostolic age began roughly in 2001, heralding the most radical change in the way church is done since the Protestant Reformation. You're going to hear that several times. That was something C. Peter Wagner said, and he's not the only one who said it or quoted him on it. This new apostolic reformation embraces the largest segment of non-Catholic Christianity worldwide and is the fastest growing. Churches of the apostolic movement embrace the only Christian megablock faster, growing faster than Islam. To me, when I read this, and then it goes on, of course, now when you look at it, it starts with the beginning of Ephesians 4.11, but that was the second paragraph. Now it's the first paragraph. But reading this, I couldn't help but see what they were saying, and it almost sounded like a restoration of the role of the first century apostles. But which one would that be? Again, are they talking about the restoration of the office or the gift? Because they're not the same thing according to what we see in Scripture. If they have authority to govern nations and to govern the church, this sounds like the apostles of Christ. 
And a lot of times what you'll hear from people that hold to this belief, and you see this in in Doug and Holly's book, they talk about it, is there's usually a mention of Ephesians 2.20, Ephesians 4.11, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, which these were verses that I heard when referring to the apostolic teachings and uh, the apostolic anointing, the apostolic office. Now, when we're looking at further material here, I want to uh, shift over and look at a book that was written in 2019 by Cheon who, if you're not familiar with him, he is a leader um, in this movement. And he, as uh, Holly had mentioned, he has an apostolic network where he oversees 20,000 ministries in 65 nations. He is viewed as an apostle. It's an apostolic network. They're coming underneath that network under that umbrella of authority to um, be a part of it and have the spiritual covering and to glean from him and whatever else that entails. But he wrote a book in 2019, which the foreword was, by the way, written by Bill Johnson, The book was endorsed by Lou Engle, Patricia King, Chris Vallotton, several other people. I think Robert Henderson also endorsed that book. So some names that you recognize. What I find interesting is that there is it has been alluded that some leaders, when they ask other prominent key leaders what if they're part of the NAR, the first reaction is what is NAR? And forgive me, but this again seems like the gaslighting part because these high profile individuals are endorsing these books. They're writing the forwards for them. So either they're not reading them or they're aware of what's going on. And it's just, no, the light's not dimmer than, than what it was before. It's still the same, even though I've turned it down. (laughs) That's called gaslighting. So anyway, in this book from 2019 that Cheyenne wrote, it's called Modern Day Apostles. I have a copy of it in my possession and I've read through it. So Cheon says these things in his book. After he discusses passages concerning apostles in the early church, he says, quote, We can now say we are living in the new apostolic age because God is restoring the truth that the gift and the office of apostle is for today. A section titled Modern Day Apostles uh, dash the New Apostolic Reformation is right after soon after this statement. And he, and it is said that apostles are necessary to advance the great commission, which we know that that's from, that's referencing Matthew 28, 18. And he says, quote, the gift and office of the apostle not only function today, but we are living in a new age that Peter Wagner has defined as the new apostolic reformation. And again, I don't know of anybody, there may be people out there that think it's a, 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 a an organization, a card-carrying organization. I've never said that. I don't believe that. I believe it's a loose, it's a, it's a movement. And again, I've heard people even push back against that, that it's not a movement. Well, these writings contradict that belief. They actually validate the belief that it is a movement, that there are people that rally around specific beliefs in this. And one of the main beliefs is governing authority of the apostles. Restoration is something mentioned in a number of these books that I'm mentioning to you, and I'm sure that there's countless others that when you go to do an Amazon search on this, an advanced search, you'll you'll find a lot of other books about the New Apostolic Reformation or something to do with it. And if the NAR is not ongoing today and ended with Wagner, and if there are no individuals who subscribe to the belief of apostles who govern the church and have authority, as noted in the New Testament, what exactly is being restored here, as I said, because I'm going to reiterate this, is that restore means to return something to its original state. So why is Cheon saying that we are currently living in an apostolic age known as the NAR if it doesn't exist? 
just something to kind of chew on there. Now, it is my understanding that the New Apostolic Reformation is not an organization nor a denomination, and many do not claim this to be the case when referring to it. In fact, I don't know of anybody that claims that, and there may be some people, but I don't claim that. I claim that it's actually a movement, and even some people deny that it's a movement. When you have it in writing from these these authors, it is a movement. They acknowledge it's a movement, and they agree with the movement. At the same time, there are apostolic networks and churches with governing apostles and local pastors who subscribe to such beliefs and would fall into this belief of NAR. The crux of this movement, and yes, it is a movement, is that apostles and prophets are being restored to their original function in the church and that it is an authoritative position. In spite of what some may say, there are individuals who believe their words and teachings cannot be questioned. On page 33 of Che's book, he says, quote, Modern day apostles will contribute to a more dramatic transformation of the church than anything else since the Protestant Reformation. That sounds vaguely familiar, and it should because I read it from ICAL's website. Of course, they've now changed it. And also from uh, Peter Wagner's book, so he's mentioned this multiple times. He is quoting Wagner when he says this. So apostles are the key to discipling nations. Peter Wagner used the word apostolic because the people in and around this movement believe in apostles today. However, he knew that over 31 denominations have called themselves apostolic. And because there are so many denominations that use the term apostolic, Peter had to qualify the term by adding the word new to denote a new apostolic reformation, end quote. Cheon goes on to say that NAR churches are the fastest growing segment of Christianity. They are growing faster than Islam, which is the fastest growing religion, and they are growing faster than Christianity overall. This segment of Christianity has birthed some amazing movements, end quote. And he goes on to talk about several different types of movements that have happened that are affiliated with the New Apostolic Reformation. Other quotes from this book on page 38, he says, God is restarting his church government. Page 39, he says, God is bringing about an apostolic reformation. And on this same page, he gives his working definition of an apostle. Cheon's working definition of apostle is, quote, An apostle is a Christ-like ambassador with extraordinary authority called and sent out by Jesus Christ with a specific assignment to align the church to bring heaven's culture to earth and fulfill the mandate to disciple nations, end quote. Alignment, by the way, is to come under an apostle, as I've already stated. Uh, Page 87, Cheon encourages the reader to align with an apostle and to get as close as you can to that apostle. This means, quote, carrying the heart of the apostle, following him as he follows Jesus. It means submitting to his authority. The closer you are, the more you will receive the blessing that comes with the alignment, end quote. In chapter 15, this is one of the things I really wanted to look at. Chapter 15 of Cheon's book, about modern day apostles, there is a chapter called Apostles Govern. And the word govern here that he defines it as is to exercise continuous sovereign authority over, especially to control and direct the making and administration of policy. Uh, I was kind of troubled when I saw that in that definition that it, it's telling or uh, applying the use of the word sovereign to an apostle, because when I think of sovereign, I think of the supreme power of God. I don't think of a man having sovereign power in that capacity. So that's that's one thing to kind of consider or question of what do you mean by sovereign when you're talking about apostles and, and what governing authority you think they have. He says on page 124 of this book that, quote, we must recognize that apostles have the authority to govern on all seven mountains of culture, whether it's in the church, 
government, education, business, media, arts, and entertainment, or family. And if you recall, if you happen to listen to a while ago, I did a podcast on the Seven Mountain Prophecy that Johnny Inlow wrote about. You'll know that in that book, he talks about the seven mountains. Uh, there's, there seems to be a pattern of that the apostles in those uh, mountains of influence, the apostles are the ones that need to conquer those mountains and to have dominion in order for the kingdom to be given to Christ, that those things have to be subdued and, and have uh, be dominated and, and taken over in the culture, if you will. I mean, sure, you can, I'm sure I can word it much differently, much more eloquently, but essentially it's looking at the, the church taking over the culture, but the apostles are the ones that are to take over these mountains of influence. So this is where this goes back to. Um, I looked up the definition for sovereign, uh, by the way, and it is one possessing or held to possess supreme political power, one that exercises supreme authority within a limited sphere. That kind of gives you an, an, an understanding of how that may relate again to this belief of the governing apostles with the Seven Mountain Mandate. Now, here are some clips to give you some context as to the authority perceived today in the apostolic movement. And again, this is not all-encompassing, but this may give you some glimpses into the authority. I had a really hard time finding where an apostle would actually say that there are authority over individual people. And I'm wondering if, there, if some people are really careful in not saying that. The reason being is that there are some uh, individuals, including myself, that have actually had conversations in which the governing authority of the apostle was highly stressed. And in conjunction with that, the uh, accusations of rebellion, of dishonor, um, not uh, understanding apostolic protocol, of not understanding governing authority, uh, those types of words, those kind of seem like buzzwords <laughs> when you look at this topic. But unfortunately, that's not uncommon for that to happen behind the scenes. So... I had a hard time finding that information. It's almost like it's alluded to in some of the writings um, at, that I'll share here in a little bit. But nevertheless, I can give you some clips, some examples of the governing authority that apostles believe they have in territories and in regions and in the church and, and, and such that might help shed some more light on this if you're not familiar with it or it, it may help to solidify your understanding of this. So the first one that we're going to look at is Chris Vallotton. Uh, when he's having a uh, an, an conversation, I believe, with Danny Silk, and uh, this is um, them talking about the fivefold ministry. So let's listen for just a bit on what they have to say about the fivefold ministry and the apostles. But um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what, from your perspective, can you tell me what the difference is, and not just theologically, but also relationally, between pastors and prophets and the way they relate to the body? the way they receive instruction from the Lord and their, and their roles. Can you just, just open that up and just begin to talk about it? Yeah. I, I think that uh, the, you know, in the, within the context of the fivefold, you know, there are, there those anointings that really are, are closer to the earth. They're more, they're more favored and focused with the earth. And then there's those anointings that are more favored and focused with heaven. And I think the apostle and the prophet are, are those that are more focused and attuned to the activity of heaven and therefore actually have more favor and authority flows through those who are so focused on the movement of heaven. Just like the evangelist and the pastor 
really have so much favor and authority with people. And so when, when there's a, a, a decision to be made, the pe people are going to look to their pastors and teachers as, you know, like, <laughs> tell us what to do. Tell us what that means. Tell us where to stand. Tell us where it's yeah. safe. Tell us where, you know, what's, what's biblical. Tell us what's theological. I think that's one of the reasons that so many churches end up with a pastor-teacher leadership structure, because those who are so focused on heaven and carry that authority they are, in a sense, they're, they're separated from that favor and authority with people. And so they this is the need for, for the fivefold to work together is so that heaven can move earth through that flow. So now we'll look at another clip from Bethel's Transformation Conference last year. Probably some of you are very familiar with this because it made the rounds where the spirit of racism was rebuked and authority was claimed over um, racism by the presiding apostles, Cheon, Bill Johnson, and El Ed Savolso. And in this prophetic act, a staff resembling that of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings was used. And after exegeting the scene from the movie involving the demon Balrog, this is what followed. You know, we're going to do some binding and loosening. And one of the things that I've learned in the last maybe around 10 years, that apostles have authority to make the decrees and declaration and uh, it's something that God gives. And I've seen it work in so many practical ways. Well, Pastor Marlene got a prophetic vision right before this event. And she saw us doing a prophetic act that was going to be very, very historic. So thank you for hanging in there and staying with us. But I believe that this is a very crucial time. So why don't you share your vision then we'll do the apostolic decree. Okay, so you can see there is an even example right there of the apostle and prophet working together, that the prophets are the one that gets the vision, the apostles are the one that carries it out and has the governing authority to do so. And so this is a prime example of that. But today's podcast is actually focusing on the governing authority of apostles that is implemented through those that believe in the new apostolic movement, new apostolic reformation, apostolic prophetic movement, whatever you want to call it. But nevertheless, it is a movement to restore the governing authority of apostles in the earth and that the Great Commission can't go forth until that occurs, which I have some thoughts on that to share with you near the end. But let's listen. We're going to skip through and go to where they actually do the declaration of this act um, after, again, the exegesis of Lord of the Rings. So please stand up with us. So if you can stand because you're standing in authority, because you're all kings and priests. And all of us, we're an apostolic people. So as an apostolic team with the authority that God's given to us, we decree and declare that racism will end. It's over in the ecclesia from this night forward in Jesus' mighty name. Let's lift it up and bang it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise over. We did it twice. We need one more. One more. We need you to agree with us. Okay. On the count of three. On three. Shout with us. One, two, three. Thou shalt not pass. In the name of Jesus Christ. The last clip I want to share with you, and again, there could be many more that I would share, but this one other clip I came across was... Again, to showcase the perceived apostolic authority, uh, this occurred, occurred a few years ago at the Mexican border, and the presiding apostle uh, slash prophet 
or sometimes they refer to these, Wagner referred to them as hyphenated apostles. The apostle hyphenated prophet was Chuck Pierce at the Mexican border. And it is said that he was um, securing the glory along the Mexican border. So we're not going to look at all of this, but we're just going to look at a little bit of it to kind of give you an idea of what was of some of the things that were going on, even though you can't see it. Now you're going to hear a sound just to kind of give you a little bit of understanding of what you're hearing. They're going to be praying um, and uh, they're going to be singing and decreeing and declaring. And you're, you may hear a sound like a ringing sound. That's actually there. Uh, one individual is using a tuning fork to tune the border and saying when he, when you hear him say that these are the, the veins or the arteries um, and that the blood of Christ runs through here or something along that line. So when you hear that, that's the tuning fork that he puts on the bottom of the ground. He also applies it to the border gate. Um, you're going to hear a drum banging at some point, probably. So these are all things that were going on here to, again, claim apostolic authority over the Mexican border and secure the glory. So let's listen in for just a little bit. It is not something which distinguishes between two nations. It is an artery which pulls together the entire body, both on the south and the north, the east and the west. And it will cause the blood of Jesus to surge through this region, bringing forth life, bringing forth restoration, bringing forth healing. For where the blood goes, there will be life. But Lord, we once again open this door to your glory. of rebellion it will not have a rebellious cadence to it it will have the order of the angelic of heaven in Jesus name I forgot to mention a shofar would be blowing. My apologies. So this kind of gives you some examples of some things that are done, some acts that are done, prophetic acts, if you will. But the apostle is the one that's presiding over these meetings or these particular practices in order to show governing authority. Now we'll switch gears a little bit. So you've heard some examples. You've seen some things from books, some excerpts from books, uh, heard some excerpts from books that are talking about the New Apostolic Reformation, governing apostles. We'll look at a few, uh, one other one. When I was in this movement, uh, and again, uh, it initially started out more like Word of Faith, but then the last probably about six or seven, five, six, seven years, that's when it started um, evolving into uh, developing into the apostolic and prophetic. But really when I started looking back, because I was actually part of the Bible college, quote Bible college, it was there, it was not accredited. Um, But I went through six years of that and... I have a certificate that says I have a doctorate of theology, but I don't I don't acknowledge it uh, because it's not a real doctorate. So when I look at this, even at my old notes, and I was actually an instructor in this Bible college uh, after I graduated from there, um, I looked at old notes that I had, and even looking at those old notes, 
there for for years this was being ingrained uh, there was a, a class that I taught about the fivefold ministry and some of the things in there when it talks about the apostles, which I was taught about the hand that you look at the hand and uh, the, the, the five fingers or the four fingers and the thumb that's on the hand and the thumb is the apostle and it goes apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And I was told that the thumb can touch every one of those. And um, so the apostle can touch every one of those and he can operate in those different capacities whenever he uh, wants because he's an apostle. So, and, and we had Jonas Clark come to our church years years ago and there was a textbook that I have that is uh, written by Jonas Clark about the uh, the apostolic so there was a lot of stuff that was being ingrained for years about the the apostolic and the prophetic and even the notes that I have in the apostolic there it talks about they are to govern it says it in the notes they are to govern um, they they cast the vision they are they provide direction and correction but they are to govern it says that in the notes that I have in my possession. So this was something that was being ingrained for quite some time. And I wasn't even really aware that that was, I, I don't know why, but I, I was just, I guess, just being conditioned, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not a right term to use, but being conditioned to accept the fact that this is what's going on here, apostles are for today, but not talking about the apostle in the sense, in the sense of a church planter or missionary, this is governing authority apostle. And so during my time in the apostolic movement and the aspect of this ministry, out of the 18 years I was there, the last five to seven years that really honed in on the apostolic prophetic, uh, leaders were brought in for years, as, as we were taught, as I told you, and we were told about the metron of authority that apostles had. Uh, there were references to Wagner's teaching from time to time. I even remember in the final meetings that I had when I was brought in for questioning, there was even a mention of Wagner in that meeting. Uh, about how he had shifted seven different times in his walk with the Lord of understanding things and growing in the uh, in in uh, understanding the apostolic and such. Uh, the current spiritual father to the apostle I was affiliated that, that I was affiliated is John Eckhart. Some of you may know that name and some of you may not. Um, that was not the individual that I was under. Um, it was not his. John was not his original spiritual father. But when his spiritual father first spiritual father passed away it was um very short period of time soon after that he came under john eckhart and uh, john eckhart recognizes himself as a big a apostle um wagner even commended him in a book that he wrote about that john eckhart wrote that i'll share some of it with you in just a moment but wagner wrote the foreword for that book that book was published in 2017 it was moving in the apostolic uh, he he wrote the foreword for that, and he even uh, commends John for referring to himself as Apostle John Eckhart with a big A. And it's also uh, interesting to note that uh, Eckhart has written several books on the subject of the apostolic anointing, authority, uh, referencing Wagner in his writing. And um, I even have a copy of an old book. It was written in 1998 that um, Eckhart contributed to called The New Apostolic Churches. And I want to read the back cover to you so you can get an idea and maybe have an understanding of why I'm mentioning this and the affiliation with it and why I believe I was part of the New Apostolic Reformation. Okay, so the back cover of this book called The New Apostolic Churches, which had a number of contributors, looks like probably about 12 to 15 different contributors here, is we have on the back cover, it says, discover the real story behind the New Apostolic Reformation, the grassroots phenomenon, 
in which God is raising up churches and leaders worldwide for the last awesome push to fulfill the Great Commission. In their own words, leaders of this movement share their passion for new methods of evangelism, worship, Bible study, and leadership being embraced by hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world. In this book, we're about to talk about Moving in the Apostolic, written by John Eckhart. He talks about the 1990s saw the beginning of the restoration of the apostolic church. Uh, with the uh, quote, with the restoration of the office of the apostle comes a restoration of apostolic doctrine, apostolic binding and loosing, apostolic revelation, apostolic governments, and apostolic boldness, end quote. When talking about God's order with relation to apostles being first and violating that order, he says, quote, when you break a law, you will suffer. Many local churches suffer because they have not recognized God's order. Apostles walk and minister in the highest rank sufficient to command, decree, and rebuke with authority within their spheres of authority. End quote. In chapter 6 of, Apost of Apostolic Reformation, Eckhart says, quote, Apostles boldly challenge the status quo and force change for the better. When the church is out of order, out of its proper form, there is a need to reform. Apostles have the discernment to know when the church is not in its proper form. End quote. In chapter 7 of this book, he says, quote, This influential office referring to the apostolic, carries a tremendous amount of power and authority. God has deposited such power and authority in it because the duties of the office require it. The power and authority vested in the apostle are in direct proportion to the responsibilities of the office. Once we understand the responsibilities of the office, we will understand why so much authority has been given to those who hold it. End quote. He says one of the duties executed by the apostle is to bring judgment and correction to the church. They issue sentences and verdicts against false teaching and incorrect behavior. Wagner is referenced in Eckhart's book, and he also wrote the foreword to his book, Updated, in 2017. Eckhart refers to this current movement of apostolic churches and networks in chapter 8, citing Wagner as calling this movement a new apostolic reformation. He says it is a movement that will ultimately affect everyone in the church. He says the challenge is whether we will fight against it or reject the movement or will we support it and flow with it. He talks later about apostolic covering and that this anointing provides protection for those who submit to it. Finally, in chapter 9, titled Apostolic Authority, Eckhart says, quote, The Acts of the Apostles continued after the death of the early apostles. As God raises up other apostles to replace them, the Acts continue. The church, therefore, will experience the same results when it embraces the same spirit and anointing, including apostolic authority, end quote. So having shared <laughs> all of that with you, and I'm sure that there's so much more that I could share, but having shared all that with you, hopefully it should be clear by now that the apostolic movement or the NAR is not a figment of imagination, nor is it a conspiracy theory. And it's not in the, again, it's not in the um, sphere of saying, well, it's a card carrying organization. We can put boundaries on it and, and find out who's part of it and who's not based on their car the carrying of their card, based on them associating or paying a fee to this organization. It's not like that. It's a loosely knit network. It's a loosely knit network. There's churches involved. And in the midst of all that, there's apostolic networks. This is being referenced in these books that the apostolic networks are affiliated with the new apostolic reformation or the new apostolic movement. It is a movement. I mean, these authors have recognized that. And so to say such things like that is, it's not acknowledging the truth here, or maybe not of being aware of the truth when some people say this and they may not realize all the resources that are out there that are pointing back to this movement. 
And I'm hoping it should be clear by now that this is in fact the case, that this is something that's that does exist, that people acknowledge it is a movement and they believe it's the fastest growing movement and it's going to affect all of the church. It doesn't mean that it's going to affect that particular group. They want it to affect every aspect of the church and those that come against it are not looked upon favorably. And there are indeed those who view themselves as apostles with unquestionable authority and to question their authority is to question God himself. So what can be said of those who have sat across from an, a quote apostle who had no plurality of elders? in the local church, and who was told questioning the founder of the ministry is out of order, that the apostle was bothered by the leaders trying to govern him, that going to local leadership with concerns and questions surrounding the apostle's teaching is rebellion, that he was bothered in being asked questions and when consulting counsel from his spiritual father's ministry, he was told he should not have to answer questions. What is to be the response when an apostle says that the Lord has told him what the issue is with regards to an individual who is viewed as opposing and even accused of praying against him during services because of the resistance he felt in the atmosphere? And that issue, according to the Lord, is a break in order and a failure to recognize that apostles are to govern and to oversee. What about hearing an apostle say that he is upset the local church doesn't look like him and that another individual who stated they no longer wanted to be under his leadership was making a damning statement? What about telling other leaders that the, quote, discipline of another leader for rebellion and dishonor was decided on by him and that the other leaders had no say in it? This all happened, and this, is, this account is not an outlier. And sadly, this goes on more than any of us know. And I was the one that sat in these two meetings and heard all of this and much more. And sadly, when I hear other people share their stories, they sound eerily similar to the things that I heard and saw with my own eyes. There are leaders who want to paint those of us who say things about this movement as hypercritics, jealous, and embittered. They will deny this movement exists because they do not personally associate with it. And regardless of those statements, it is wildly unhelpful to deny this movement from the conclusion that a specific leader says they are not in it. It did not cease with Peter Wagner. It goes on. And abuses take place. And as for those who label an entire group of people a specific way for the questions, and again, I am not labeling all Charismatics and Pentecostals in this way. We cannot ignore that this movement does exist. But with the concerns and the heightened awareness, you are doing what you accuse us of doing for those that are saying these things. I do not believe all Charismatics and Pentecostals are NAR. It is not, I don't believe it's, I do not say that as a card-carrying organization, as I've mentioned several times, and to my understanding, it is not a denomination. With that being said, all that is shared today should help us to understand that this movement continues and there are leaders who endorse circulated material teaching on NAR and the restoration of apostolic governance as vital for the church to flourish and to spread the Great Commission. Now, before we end here, I want to talk a, a few things to, for you to consider here about the Great Commission and a few scriptures to look at. The Great Commission is the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ so as to make disciples of Christ and to teach people to follow and obey Christ. Has the gospel not gone forth for the past 2,000 years? If the apostles are being restored in, in this current modern age, but they haven't been around for 2,000 years, what's happened? Has the Great Commission stalled? Has Jesus, has the Lord not been able to do what he wants to do? Is he not sovereign? Cheon has stated in his book that there is no apostle to the whole body of Christ. Yet Hebrews 3 verse 1 refers to Jesus Christ as the apostle and high priest, one who is greater than Moses and who fulfilled what Moses said. 
In the words of a Bible commentator, quote, he is one sent from God to bring us good news. He is meant to be our example, and we are meant to do as he did, which is to serve and to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One more thing to consider with the references to Ephesians 2.20, 4.11, and 1 Corinthians 2.28. Is it possible that the word of God is apostolic in and of itself? Meaning that the apostles of Christ are still ministering and instructing us today through the written word inspired by the Holy Spirit? Would this not mean that their ministry has not ended because the body of Christ has the scriptures so as to grow in spiritual maturity? Why did the apostles create a leadership design where elders and deacons were set in place in every church, but yet the apostles of Christ, with the exception of Judas, were not replaced? I think it is fair to ask these questions and more questions and to recognize that the gaslighting going on is the real facade here. And we need to be able to have discussions about the NAR without demonizing people really on either side. To have these questions, to not ignore it, to act like it's a conspiracy theory, and to address it for what it is, and to really tackle this issue. This is potentially a serious issue. This is problematic when you say that there are governing apostles that have authority, and there are serious abuses, real abuses that are going on with this mindset, with this teaching that's that's being perpetuated. So I hope that this podcast has been helpful, as always, when I do these episodes. And I look forward to being with you again on another episode. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.